This is a Federal News Network podcast. Welcome back to the Space Hour here on Federal News Network. The role of NASA administrator is one of the more unique positions in the federal government. Many agencies have a tough time just planning for next year. Well, imagine having to plan for projects that could take 10 or 20 years. Over the past few decades, there have been differing management and planning styles by whoever is in the big seat, and now there's comprehensive research to show the results of them. Syracuse University professor Henry Lambright penned a report which draws on insights from recent and past NASA administrators to chart how leaders have passed the torch toward enabling machine and human space exploration of Mars and its long-term impact on strategic priorities for the space program. I recently had the chance to speak with him about what he found. I've been watching NASA for years and have uh, written a number of articles and monographs dealing with specific administrators. And uh, this goes back to Dan Golden, and I've actually uh, interviewed everyone since Golden. It simply seems timely to pull all these um, discrete uh, administrator-focused monographs together in, in a single article. The theme that uh, was obvious was that all these administrators have been interested in Mars. And Mars is clearly the next great goal in the space program after the moon, Uh, although there are all kinds of twists and turns to get to Mars. But 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 it's clear that if, if one looks at the leadership of NASA over the years, the one theme that's clear is they all had this interest in Mars as the next great goal after Apollo. Uh, and uh, so it was time simply for to put, pull this together into one, one monograph. And what were some of the trends that you saw in, I guess you could say, findings of all of these administrators as they transferred power from one person to the next? Well, first of all, they had to be conscious strategically of the long-term goal. But every one of them had to deal with the tactics of the times in which they served. So they had to combine something that most people can't do, which is most executives in government can't do very well, which is to combine a strategic goal, a long-term goal, with short-term tactics. And uh, most of them were able to do that pretty well. Things did not move efficiently, and uh, there were clearly uh, interruptions, but I think for the for the most part, we can say that over a period of years, starting with Golden, that we're still on that target, and uh, I think that's to the credit of these individuals. Yeah, and in speaking with, you know, other NASA policymakers and even some people in the commercial sector, they, they tend to say that the most frustrating thing is that, you know, it'll take... 10 or 15 years for a project to develop and then you've got all these policy changes <laughs> and because of you know the natural change of government in our democracy uh, what did they say that they were doing it to effectively make sure that long-term projects didn't go by the wayside just because somebody else was at the helm i think the central idea is that the leadership had a dimension to it which i call relay leadership uh, relay leadership means that there was a consciousness, a consciousness on the part of these individuals that this is something they had to do. 
even though they were constantly, constantly pulled in various, various directions. Uh, so I think they were all conscious that this is something they had to do. Uh, so it was a, I think it starts with that. And then they have to figure out how to do it. And uh, it seems to me that this is the short-term adjustments that each of these individuals had to do. The uh, interesting thing about, of course, is that you do have, uh, you do have in, on, with O'Keefe, a, an episode where you take a disaster, Colombia, and use it to advantage to get a presidential decision to uh, to go. That from there on out, it becomes a, an implementation story, uh, which means that every time you have a political succession, you've got to get a renewed commitment on the part of the White House and Congress. Uh, but the concept of keeping this going is, is very, very important. And it means that an administrator, whatever else he has to do, whatever else he has to do, has to be very conscious of that. And in recent years, it's been stated, uh, actually, uh, I guess it starts with Bolton, uh, with this con notion of uh, constancy of purpose. I think that phrase is being used now by by Nelson, and uh, constancy of purpose is the is the key. Yeah, you talked about particular events or um, initiatives that acted as triggers towards um, new policy endeavors that administrators were forced to take. Take um, what were some other examples? You know, there's Colombia, but what was what were some other maybe not even physical disasters that took place during um, these administrators' uh, time in office that seemed to move policy forward a little bit faster because there was a nudge from the people holding the money? Well, I think that if you look, let's, let's, let's think about it. I think if you if you go back to Golden, excuse me, go back to Golden, Dan Golden, back in way back in the 90s, the idea was that we had to, the key the key space policy of the golden years was was the space policy of building a building a space station. Golden was, but Golden at the same time used his robotic program, that is the non space station program, to sort of emphasize Mars. He didn't have to do that. Uh, that was a decision uh, by by an individual to take the advantage he had, which was the uh, the robotic program and give it a focus and under the and the the, the politics of the times that is the 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 the, uh, the Clinton uh, Gore years was to was to try to save money in government and so he used this concept of faster better cheaper that was a that was a way to sell the Mars program uh, he thought of it as a program with sequential missions and by doing it sequentially, uh, using smaller and smaller probes, he could save money. So uh, that was a tactical move at a time when the major program of NASA was the uh, space station. So I attribute to Golden uh, getting, getting the issue on the agenda of the national government. And then the next step for, was, was obviously 
to, to get beyond an agenda to a decision, and that was the case of O'Keefe. He moved it to a decision. And so the next administrator has to deal with implementation, and that's Griffin. And I think Griffin comes up with uh, his uh, constellation, which doesn't go, doesn't really sell that well politically. But I think what he does, what he does do, and I don't think he was, and it was clearly not 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 is not a priority for for Griffin, uh, was uh, this notion of bringing the private sector aboard as a co-funder, and that was when SpaceX comes into play through the commercial program. That that becomes a significant legacy for for go, going forward. That serves as a perfect segue. I was going to ask you what impact over the years has the growth in the commercial space industry had on getting these uh, endeavors forward? Do they help in, you know, in advancing technology a little bit more that NASA doesn't have to worry so much about budgeting for as many research dollars as it's had to in the past? Yeah. In other words, if you think of Mars as a what, then the other question is how. And I think Golden with the success of the space station, bringing Russia aboard, bringing the international dimension in. And then Griffin, with uh, the private sector, starting with the private sector, continuing with with Bolden, um, is essentially a, another step in the how question. Uh, the So so these, these, essentially what you're getting at is keeping the what assured, and that, but Figuring out how to do it, it's it's very incremental and exceedingly in a, not exactly the most efficient way to do government. But in our uh, democracy, it's uh, it's about the only way we can do things. And I think that the private sector now has grown. SpaceX has gone from a little company to a to a ma- major force in aerospace, uh, and I think that it's. Yeah, inevitable that uh, if you're thinking about how to go to Mars, then you're going to have to deal with government, industry, universities, other countries, everybody. And I think that the uh, so, so you're cobbling together the how over the many years, and this is part of the tactics of getting there. We're speaking to Harry Lambright. He's a professor of public administration and international affairs and political science at Syracuse University. Um, on that note, is the space race back on, and so to speak? You know, it seems as if there's not just one-on-one, you know, us just battling with Russia. There's three, four, even five countries now involved in trying to get more activity into space. What will that mean for future NASA policy? Good question. I say in the paper that I wrote, uh, for IBM, that the single biggest question has to do with China, because as far as I can tell, China is the one country that has the money and is willing to spend it on space. And it seems to me they are clearly ambitious to be number one. So I think China is the big issue, uh, and I think that the question is, do we compete or do we cooperate? And I think that we've got to do both, uh, and I think that's clearly the big big issue for the future yeah and as far as continuity goes you know coming in could there be you know if their new administrator comes if political changes are made um, in the next couple of years what will there be in for maintaining a continuity do you think that the the policies that nasa has implemented will help with that does the system work i guess is the shorter question (laughs) 
Yeah, I think the I think the answer is yes. The uh, we've now got a clear. I think what has happened is that you had to get Mars front and center as a goal, and that was done years ago. With um, I think in the golden years, I think and it, and we've gone to we've gone through and sort of the adoption of a goal, namely the under one president and administrator to implementation, and the implementation has moved forward. We've got a, we're building a big rocket system. You've got the private sector moving forward on its in its own, and then you've got all these other countries moving ahead. the The real next problem, uh, from a standpoint of administration, is is how do you pull these things together? So, that, what is the role of China? What is the role of the private sector? What is the role of these other actors? I think you got to bring the universities more into this partnership uh, because I think it's going to take some technical breakthroughs, really, to deal with Mars down the, down the road. And I don't think uh, we've done that very, very well. Uh, but I do think you've got other countries, you've got the private sector, and you've got NASA. I think that uh, you know, you've, got, you've got the building blocks, and you've got a technical system. And you've got not just one technical system, the one that the government's building, but I think our friend Elon Musk is building another technical system independently of him. And I think that's part of keeping the momentum going. The private sector has been very helpful, uh, without a doubt, because it's, it's provided some uh, some action that keeps the keep the idea of Mars front and center. And I think that's very very important. You've got to keep that you've got to keep that goal. For the people, and I think, I think so. I think that the next administrator has got to figure out how to keep these different elements that are already in existence and co- and get them to get them more strategically combined into a gigantic uh, partnership. Yeah, I'm I'm curious in what you found. You know, in this era where everything is politicized, one of the main bipartisan agreements was space exploration between. Uh, the two parties, but are there differences in budgeting or policy implementation, I guess, that you found as, you know, different different presidents and different majorities in Congress were taking power? I think that there were, under Clinton, that, that we could have lost, we could have lost it, could have lost the goal for a period of time because of... Um, just the, time, the spirit of the times after the end of the Cold War, but bringing bringing Russia aboard really gave a little bit more pizzazz and excitement, and brought in Clinton, brought in Clinton as a uh, and his his allegiance. I think the Republicans and the Democrats have taken turns in spurring themselves or spurring on. Sometimes the Republicans have been more active, and sometimes the Democrats have been more active. The one thing they seem to agree about is that the is that the United States has to keep the space program going, and uh, I think they agree on Mars. Where they disagree on how is how much money to to give to Mars, and I think that uh, it's hard to tell you. I, it's hard to say that the Democrats or the Republicans are ahead of one another or the other. But certainly, that is it, at the level at the level of particular leaders in Congress, there has been a remarkable uh, coordination 
across at the committee level. Uh, more generally, I think that the problem, the general problem with which that paper deals with dealing with long-term programs in a democracy like the United States is something that is, that is vital for us to all to think about. I think that if you, if you look at some other big problems that the country is going to face in the future, and the one that I, I think is front and center is climate change, is there's simply no way you can deal with that in one administration. That there's got to be a continuity, a constancy of purpose. That's the problem that I think is front and center today. That is to say, the uh, the climate change issue. But if this pandemic continues the way it's going, and we get one strain after another, that's another problem where you need constancy of purpose. So I think, in a way, one of the most significant. Uh, dimensions of the paper I wrote uh, is the question of can you have relay leadership in some of these other big problems that we have to deal with because they're not going they're they tend they're multi multi-decadal and multi-generational I think that stands out as something where this space issue because it because it is so focused that is say on a planet Mars is, is an extremely significant case study in showing what the what the, some of the dynamics are of continuity and, and keeping at dealing with some of these issues. Henry Lambright is a professor at Syracuse University. We'll have a link to his full report on federalnewsnetwork.com. Search Space Hour. For our final interview, we'll talk with a member of the private sector on how important improving satellite imagery is for national security. This is the Space Hour on Federal News Network. I'm Eric White. best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher 
And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 smart bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 special edition smart bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.